We've been looking in the Gospel of, of Matthew, and uh, Matthew is writing to uh, Christians who were Jews, um, had grown up Jewish, and uh, he writes to them about Jesus, and about Jesus, the uh, exemplary Jew, but also uh, Jesus, the one they had been waiting for, uh, the anointed one, the one who would be their king. Uh, it, you may know that we talk about Jesus and fulfilling the three offices of the Old Testament, prophet, priest, and king. And we've been seeing a lot how Matthew has been emphasizing Jesus as king. In this passage, we'll see how he uh, reveals Jesus as priest as well. Uh, so Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 7, this is God's word eternally true. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Here ends our reading. Uh, there's a response of thankfulness that's printed for you uh, in your bulletins. The word of the Lord. I don't. I almost said I get a kick out of. I don't. I kind of get mad at Christmas time when I hear songs that have nothing to do with, not even to do with Santa. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I, I hate that song. This this is what Christmas means to me, you know. And they just name every inane thing that you see. That you know, and and now all you know, like Christmas specials are just. Um, they really have nothing to do with, with Christmas, that kind of thing. Um, and so it's, it's very easy at Christmas time to uh, lose the, the purpose of, of why things were um, or to disconnect um, the day from the, the mission Jesus came to, to fulfill. And if you'd like to fill out blanks in an outline, we're going to talk about that um, and how the mission of Jesus is uh, seen in, in the gold, the incense, and the myrrh uh, that are given uh, to Jesus by these uh, magi from the east. But in your introduction there, if you'd like to fill out blanks, you may. Um, Jesus coming to earth was for a specific purpose. It's for a specific purpose. And second line there, Jesus' purpose and coming was related to your good. He came to the earth uh, for your good for the good of his people. And then thirdly there, uh, you'll like this, and we'll repeat it a lot, Jesus made you smart. Jesus made you smart, and you weren't before. Or you can write in there, I wasn't before. So in case you got a big head there for three seconds. <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, Jesus made you smart, but you weren't before. So number one, to explain this a little bit, um, you were smart, or you can write in there, I was smart to believe in Jesus, and that's, that's the truth. He who believes in Jesus, she who believes in Jesus is smart. Um, the, the, the one thing in life you need to get right is getting right with God. And so no matter what somebody does, no matter what they accomplish, no matter how much they get or how, much, how uh, many praises they get, they haven't lived a smart life unless they figured out how to get right with God. Okay, so anyone who has, anyone who has believed in Jesus and received the peace from him is smart. And I want you to think about yourselves that way in, term, in being in the world. Um, we're the smart ones. Now, again, we, we, we're not in the church because we were smart. Jesus made us smart. But people, no matter what they say out there, people who don't have belief in Jesus, people who aren't ready to, to see God and, and receive blessing, um, they're not very smart. They've been spending all their time 
doing all these things that ultimately really won't matter and for them for a hill of beans, right? Isn't that a great expression, a hill of beans? <laughs> um, but uh, number one there, you were smart to believe in Jesus because he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament history, laws, and sacrificial system. Um, so you're smart for believing. Now, get this, just think about the Gospel of Matthew. All the Gospels are different, the four Gospels. They're all written to a different group of people. But, but one of the chief worries or concerns, if you were a Jew in the first century and you had believed in Jesus, was, boy, I'm, I'm, I've been cut off from my family. Um, I'm taking guff from my Jewish friends. Some of them have cut me off because I believed in Jesus. Was this worth it? Have I made the right decision? Have I made a smart decision? Or am I an idiot like they tell me I am? Now, this relates to us very much because non-believers tell, tell us we're idiots for believing in Jesus or for being here at 1030 on Christmas morning, right? <laughs> Why are you doing that? Why are you constraining yourself in that way in your life? That's what the world says. And so we sit in the same kind of context as those who are receiving this gospel of Matthew. Uh, were you an idiot for believing in Jesus or was this a smart thing? Was this a smart thing that you did? Um, now, you're smart for believing, but you didn't believe because you were smart. Okay, so you, you want to see that. Um, apart from uh, God sending his spirit um, to, to give you um, spiritual life, um, apart from him giving you eyes to see and ears to hear, you were deaf to the gospel, and you didn't choose Jesus because you didn't hear the message. The words hit, the, the sound waves hit your, 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 your eardrum in there, but you didn't hear. Um, it, it's like when we say, do you hear what I'm saying? We're not saying, did you just hear that? Are you not deaf? We're not saying that. We're saying, are you understanding? Do you get the significance? Do you get the meaning of what I'm talking about? Do you do you get it? And the only reason we got it, the only reason we you know, got smart was because Jesus changed our heart. He sent our spirit. He gave us new life, as Jesus spoke of with Nicodemus. You know, why don't you understand the kingdom of God, Nicodemus? Because you must be born again to see, to understand, to get the kingdom of God, for that to make sense to you. So we're on the, the backside of being smart. We were dumb. We were spending all our time doing other things and having different goals other than pleasing the Lord. Uh, but the Lord interrupted our lives. And thankfully, and he gave us new hearts and he gave us eyes that could see and he gave us ears that could hear. And so we became smart. But we really are to consider ourselves this smart. We are right to have believed. We're smart to have believed. But we're insane that we're to understand that the only reason I'm smart is because God made me that way and I didn't do anything to get that way. Okay? That's just something he caused on me. He caused me to be born again, as Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 2. Or as Jesus says in John 3 and talking to Nicodemus, I caused the Spirit to blow upon you as the wind blows on leaves. And, and so that's why we're smart. But consider yourself this. Don't be intimidated by non-believers. Okay? They're, they're in the midst of, making, of, of having made a, a terrible, uh, um, forever stupid decision to not have Jesus as their king and as their God. Okay, and that will affect them for their eternity. So, so they're not smart. They're in the midst of, of making decisions based on saying, oh, I see everything, I see everything, and they don't see. Oh, I hear, I hear what you're saying, and they don't hear. And, and so they're not, uh, they're not very smart, uh, but neither were we. And that's why scripture tells us to, to view non-believers with compassion and understanding and, and patience. Um, 
and, and to see ourselves like Jesus in the parable in Matthew 22 or 18, Matthew 18, with the, the, the servant who's been forgiven the great debt. And he goes out and he, he puts the screws on the guys who owes, a guy who owes him a little bit. And the king who's forgiven him the great debt calls him back in and says, how could you not have compassion on this person who sinned against you a little bit when I forgave you of this massive amount of sins, all the sins of all your life. And so we never want to look at non-believers with, with condescension uh, because that's, that's who we are apart from uh, God uh, changing our heart. Um, but consider, consider yourself, um, boy, I always hear Oliver when I hear those words, consider yourself um, uh, smart uh, because you are. In the eyes of heaven, uh, you're the ones who know what's going on. And don't be intimidated by non-believers, regardless of what they, they said. They're, they're blind people tell, telling you the wall is blue. You know, so that's like a three-year-old. And you go, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so you're smart to believe in Jesus because he's the fulfillment of Old Testament history, uh, laws, and, and the sacrificial system. This is the question for the Jews in the first century who had believed in Jesus. Have I abandoned the true faith of the one true God who created the heavens and the earth that I read about in Genesis 1. And, and we can recognize here, even if we have no Jewish background, that we, are, that we are smart, that we would even be a good, faithful Jew. The most faithful thing you could do as a Jew was to believe in Jesus. And so we can see that here in this text. So some background things for you. Next line for you there. Background, Jesus, Matthew, and the Old Testament. Okay, some things Matthew is bringing to the fore here under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Matthew, and the Old Testament. A, gold, incense, and myrrh are things of the temple and the priests. So that's why I had Jim read for you those passages from, from Exodus and, and Leviticus. Um, these are all uh, priestly terms and temple terms. Gold, the incense, and the myrrh. Okay, and so if you're reading the Gospel of Matthew, hot off the press, hot off the hand of Matthew, and you're a Jew, you knew this. Oh, gold, incense, and myrrh, you, your minds were temple and priests. Um, we think about it in terms of Christmas, and, and are they kings or wise men? Who are they? What do they look like? We're thinking about in those terms, but a Jew reading this said, oh, this is a priestly thing. This is a temple thing going on. Number two, um, so, or sorry, uh, B there, B, not two. Uh, the temple consisted um, of only, so when you think of the temple, you know there's that whole uh, temple uh, complex. And Allison, can you uh, bump the slide up? Okay, so there's the whole temple complex here, which is all that, that building that you see there. Um, and so, but this is, this is the courtyard, this is an outer wall. This stuff is not the temple. What the temple is, is what that, that uh, yellow arrow is pointing to. Um, that's the temple. And, and so, like um, the, the altar of burnt offering where they slaughtered the bulls and the goats, that's outside the temple. Okay, that's in front of the temple. So when they say sacrifices before the Lord, they were sacrificing it just outside the temple, but kind of the closest thing to the temple there. So you got, you know, temple court here, and then you've got the, the altar burnt, uh, the bronze altar of, of offering there where they slaughter the animals. But this building, this tall building here, that's the temple. That's the temple. The rest is just uh, paraphernalia. It's, it's the, the stuff outside, stuff outside the temple. But so the temple, back to your B point, the temple consisted uh, only of the holy place. And that's the rectangle. That's your blank there, the rectangle. See how that building there is a rectangle if you just look on the on the um, the footprint. It's a rectangle. Okay, so and that's the holy place, this, this big rectangle there. Uh, and then it also consisted of the most holy place. Allison hit that. Um, and so that's that's the back side of this. And that was a square. Uh, it was connected with, it was part of that rectangle. So there's a square inside the rectangle, okay? And the square at the back of the uh, holy place was the most holy place. And in that most holy place was where the Ark of the Covenant was, okay? Um, 
So uh, the temple consisted of the only of the holy place, the rectangle, the most holy place, and that was the square within the rectangle. Um, number one there. Once you went inside the temple, inside this rectangle, um, all that you saw in terms of furniture was gold. Everything was either solid gold, no dancers. Everything was either solid gold or uh, made of acacia wood and covered with gold. So if you were a priest and the priests were the only ones who were allowed to enter into the temple, the high priest was the only one who was allowed to enter into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant is, and that just once a year in the Day of Atonement. Uh, but the priests only, not even the Levites, but only the priests, those who were the Levites descended from Aaron, they were the only ones who could go in and be um, uh, inside the temple. But once they went in, every object they saw was gold either covered with gold or solid gold. The lampstand was solid gold. Uh, the cover of the ark was solid gold. Everything else was acacia wood uh, covered with gold. Um, so this is one of the gifts that the wise men bring, gold. So when you think gold, think temple. Okay? Um, number two, number two, myrrh. Now, I, I learned how to spell this this week. It's M-Y-R-R-H. M-Y-R-R-H. Myrrh was used in the anointing oil. Uh, we saw that as Jim read. I think it's the first passage Jim read. The mixture, what went into the anointing oil, myrrh. It was a bitter herb. It was used to anoint and consecrate. And we saw this in this passage that Jim read. Both the priests and the temple. So both the, the priests and the temple, they need to be consecrated. The priest ordained in the ministry through being anointed with this anointing oil that had myrrh. Uh, but also the temple itself had to be anointed. And so the priest had to go around and sprinkle all the, all the furnishings, you know, the, the lampstand and the, the table where they put the bread and the altar, the gold altar of, of incense and the Ark of the Covenant. These were all things that had to be sprinkled with this anointing uh, with this anointing oil. Um, so here's your sentence. Number two, myrrh was used in the anointing oil used to anoint and consecrate both the priests, both the priests and the temple. And specifically the temple furniture into service. So before it could be used, it had to be consecrated or anointed or uh, um, uh, ordained into service. And that's what we saw in Exodus 30. Uh, 23. Okay, so all these all these things going on are uh, temple things and, and priest things going on. Now, number two, number two. Um, in number one, we had said you're smart to believe in Jesus because he's the fulfillment of Old Testament history, uh, laws and the sacrificial system. Um, so you have nothing to be ashamed of in front of a Jew. You've made the smart decision in terms of the same number of facts that they have before them. Uh, number two, you were smart to believe in Jesus because he replaced both temple and high priest. Jesus replaced both temple and high priest. The message here, second line for you, the message here is that Jesus from birth was here to serve in the temple. From the time of, of Jesus, of Jesus life, um, he was uh, here to serve in the temple. And these gifts signify this. This is why he was here. He's given gold, incense, and myrrh as gifts. Uh, this wasn't a, a second thought or, or an also kind of thing, but something right at, the, right at the beginning that Matthew, writing to Jews, alerts us of. Um, so Jesus from birth was here to serve in the temple. Um, the gospel is written about 16 years after uh, Jesus' death. Um, they knew that Jesus had never served in the temple in Jerusalem. Yeah, they were not that far off uh, from them. Uh, most likely, the people receiving the gospel of Matthew were in Antioch, and they were the ref you know, half of the church. We studied this in James. Half of the church were refugees from Jerusalem when Stephen was stoned to death. Um, they fled to three places. We're told in Acts chapter 11, one of these places was Antioch. Antioch was probably the place that the Gospel of Matthew was written to. 
these folks knew that Jesus had not served as a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. So what's going on here? What's Matthew talking about? A, A, Jesus was born to serve as a priest in the temple, not on earth, not in the Jerusalem that's here on earth, but in heaven. Jesus was born to serve as a priest in the temple in heaven, of which the earthly temple was just a copy. Jim read that for us as well, that, the, that Moses was told, make things exactly in this way, because I'm giving you a copy of what exists already in heaven. So, so know that that's not a common thing, but something that's taught clearly in Scripture. There's a tabernacle in heaven, and the earthly tabernacle is a model of this, a copy of it. And so Moses was to say, Moses was told, don't take any liberty with this. Make it exactly. You want this to be as exact a replica as what's in heaven as can be. Um, and Jesus comes, he's born on earth to serve, not on the earthly tabernacle or temple. That was never his goal but to serve in the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly temple, to do his service there. Okay. Um, so um, you see Hebrews 8, 5, Jim read that for us. Revelation 15, 5 also speaks of the, the heavenly tabernacle um, in our present day. Uh, B, the temple and the priests of the Old Testament were to recognize we're just a foreshadowing. The Old Testament temple, the Old Testament priests were just a foreshadowing of Jesus. So they were a copy and they went through the motions of, of sacrifice and offering a sacrifice and receiving the forgiveness of sins. That was a copy and a foreshadowing of what Jesus uh, would, and here blanks there, Jesus of who he would be and what he would accomplish for his people. So all that Old Testament stuff was just to prep, uh, as Paul says in, in Galatians 3 and 4. It, it was, it was to, to get them ready to understand what Jesus would be and what he would do for his people. It was a guardian to lead them to Christ, to make them ready to receive him, to say, oh, this fits. Jesus is a high priest. Um, Jesus is the temple. So see, see, uh, the wise men's uh, gifts foreshadow Jesus' identity and role as well. So number one, uh, Jesus was the temple. He declares that in John chapter two, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. And everybody with blind eyes says, huh, what? which is what we would have said. And even uh, John says, we didn't get what he was talking about until after he rose again. Then we understood way back when he, when he told us when he was in that temple that year that he, you know, you could destroy that temple and he would rebuild it in three days. He was talking about the temple of his body. That in three days he would rise again, though his body had been destroyed on that Friday. Um, so uh, Jesus was the temple. He was the gold all around. And then number two, Jesus is, the, Jesus is the high priest as well. Jesus is the high priest as well in the heavenly temple. And so you can read about that in Colossians 2, 16, 17, and Hebrews 8 as well, that Jesus goes to serve in the heavenly temple. Um, he's the priest and the temple anointed and ordained into service with an anointing oil with the scent of myrrh. Okay, number three, number three. You are smart to believe in Jesus because he has interceded for you. He has interceded for you. That's a C in the middle for you. You like the spelling. Okay. You're smart to believe in Jesus because he has he had interceded for you and now you have the forgiveness of sins. 
So three ways we're alerted by Matthew here so far that we've been smart. Um, Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament stuff. That's number one. So you're smart to receive Jesus. Number two, you are smart to receive Jesus because he's actually a replacement of the temple and the priests. You don't need a Jerusalem temple anymore. You don't need the priests in Jerusalem anymore um, because Jesus has replaced all that. And then also, Jesus has provided for you what the priests were working to do, to provide for you the forgiveness of sins. So you have all the things that the Old Testament and the, the Jews even today were looking to get. You have that all in Jesus. So let's talk about now incense. Um, let's talk about incense. And that's your blank there in the second line under three. Incense. The priestly service of mediation and intercession. That's what incense is, is talking about here. It's what it points to. Um, the priestly service of mediation and intercession. And there are two types. That's your blank there. There are two types of intercession. Two types of intercession. Now, intercession is when someone speaks up for you. And so you maybe have had a time where somebody's done that for you, and it's very nice. Uh, when I was a, a, a freshman uh, in, in high school, um, we had four weeks of what was called captain's practices. The coaches the, weren't allowed to make you practice yet, but you could have the students, the captains of the team, run you through practices. And so we had freshman year was ridiculous. We started July 20th. So we had four weeks of captain's practices before the coach showed up. And in the last week of, of the um, captain's practices, I developed shin splints, which means your, the, your shin muscles are sore and you can't lift your toe very well and you can't run and that kind of thing. And there's really no cure for shin splints except well, you can stretch your calves, but mostly it's rest. And so the coaches practice started and the whole first week of coaches practice at which the end of the week he was cutting, uh, cutting people from the team. Um, I couldn't practice cause I had shin splints. Uh, but I uh, gladly, um, the three captains of the team, um, uh, went to the coach and said, uh, coach Musgraves on the team. He's, we've, we've watched him for four weeks and he's, he's good. You got to let him on. Coach was really disgusted about this. <laughs> and he pulled me aside and he said, I really should be cutting you. <laughs> he said, but, but Mark and Pat and Chris came up to me and they said, you know, you need to be on the team. So we'll see. <laughs> but they interceded for me. They spoke on my behalf. He spoke on my behalf for my benefit, and I greatly appreciated that, um, and, and still very fondly think of these uh, three guys um, who were, you know, seniors when I was a freshman, and, and that, was, that was huge, you know, for someone older than you to, to actually like you uh, and, speak, and speak up for you. Uh, but this is, this is intercession, and this is what Jesus does for us. But there are two types, two types that the priests in the Old Testament do, two types of intercession, two types of speaking for the people that the priests do um, in the Old Testament that Jesus also fulfills. So A, A, first type of intercession, the first type of priestly mediation and intercession was symbolized by the incense, the incense, at the golden altar of incense. And Allison, you can go ahead to the next slide now. And so this is inside uh, a drawing of the inside of the uh, holy place. And so what you, what you have here, um, this is the, the holy place here. And here were the doors on this side. And this was on the east, if you like to be directed by directions on the east. And as you walked in, on your left side was this lampstand. This was one of the things of pure gold. You see how they couldn't really make that with wood so much, I guess. Um, a lampstand. On the right side of you, as you walk through, so was this table. And they would put uh, 12 loaves of bread, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And that God always provides for his people with bread, manna in the desert, that kind of thing. And then the last thing, before this curtain, and you couldn't see through this curtain. You could pass, the high priest could pass through it once a year was this little altar 
And um, this altar, if you, if you have a picture in mind of like our, our little baptism podium that we have up here, is about that size, almost that, those proportions. Um, and, and in here, they put incense, um, special mixture of things, and they kept it uh, fired up all the time. That was one of the responsibilities of the priest. They had to make sure this was always uh, burning and providing this aroma that was rising up. And so you see this aroma here. So the, the priest had to make sure these lights were always lit. Jesus is the light of the world. That's what that's talking about. He lights our path. Um, he provides for us. That's the bread. I'm the bread of life. That's Jesus. And then this incense altar here where they, they brought in this special mixture of incense. Um, and, and this was always to be burning. And the priests were to make sure this did not uh, go out. Uh, so this was priestly mediation and intercession. It was it was symbolized by the incense of the golden altar. That, that's your next word there. If we didn't get that far, and your underline there, but that's the golden altar. So in the temple complex, there were two altars. There was this little one here that was covered with gold, and that was for incense. And then outside of the of the temple itself was this big, huge, seven foot tall. Um, bronze altar where they they slaughtered the animals that was outside okay and uh, yeah and christina's going Ugh. it was gruesome i mean it had to be gruesome in the amount of things they were sacrificing uh but but this the altar we're talking about here the gold covered altar the golden altar of incense there um and it was in the holy place and it was closest that's your blank there it was the closest thing and you can see that here in the picture it was the closest thing to the ark of the covenant which was on the other side of that curtain that separated the, the rectangle from the square. Um, the square on the, your left there um, contained the Ark of the Covenant, which is what you see there with the cherubim uh, um, on, that, on that cover there. So the altar of incense was the thing closest to the, what is the earthly throne of God um, in the most holy place. And so um, the most holy place is over is over here. Uh, here's the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had these cherubim, which is a special kind of angel, um, uh, but uh, there's a golden uh, version of that. And uh, the Lord said, um, and you got verse references here for you, that the Ark was his footstool. So if you can imagine a king sitting, uh, and a king has a, a, a big high Ark that he's or um, throne that he's sitting on. That's way up high, and it's so high that his feet don't reach down to the ground, which is symbolic, too, that the king's feet don't touch the dirt. Okay, And so the king had a footstool. And the Lord said that the ark was his footstool and that he was enthroned above the cherubim. Now, this was invisibly. This wasn't an incarnate Jesus or something like that. This is invisibly, but this is where the, the center of God's presence was, as he was dwelling among his people and blessing them. And so you have these, these passages here from Exodus 37 and, and uh, 2 Samuel 6.2. 2 Samuel 6.2 says, The Lord Almighty is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. Okay, so here's the picture in the temple, what the temple was teaching. What the temple was teaching that was that God was enthroned and that nearest to his throne was this altar of incense. Okay, so right before the throne, at the base of the throne, was this altar of incense and it was, it was burning this, this pleasant aroma all the time that was never ceasing. Okay. Now, number one. The incense at this altar symbolizes the priest's prayer for the people. So, you know, right, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Okay, that, that's symbolized here. And, and uh, these prayers that are going up, where does that aroma go? Well, it goes before the throne. The Lord, the Lord hears, the Lord smells, you know, that this, this aroma that's going on because it's right in front of him. And the priest is bringing this aroma right to the throne of God. The closest thing to the throne of God, the priest is bringing to God. And this symbolized for the people, just as this symbolized that God was their light and gave them his word to teach them how to live. 
But God always provided for them, giving them bread, even when they were in the, in the desert for 40 years, that he also listened to their prayers. As he sat on his throne in heaven, uh, he was listening to their prayers. So that's your number two here. Your number two, as the smoke of the incense at the golden altar in the holy place rose in front of the earthly throne of God, so the prayers, that's your blank, so the prayers of God's people through the intercession of the high priest, don't miss that point, through the intercession of the high priest, rose up, rose up into God's heavenly throne room, into God's heavenly throne room, and were heard. So the picture here on earth in the temple was that the, the prayers of the people are getting to God because this, this altar always has incense going, but the altar is not a mile away. The altar is the very closest thing to God's throne where God is ruling all things for the sake of his people. And so this was symbolizing that the prayers that the high priest said for the people were just like this incense. Just as this incense reached the, 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 the physical throne there, so the spiritual prayers of the high priest reached God on his throne in heaven. And this is a great assurance to God's people and a great assurance to us. Okay. So number three, um, remember, Jesus is our high priest Jesus is our high priest uh, that says that uh, lots of times in Hebrews, but 4.14 and 5.5 are a couple of places. And number four, this is why we pray in Jesus name, because the, all the Israelites don't come into the Holy of Holies and, and, and put incense there. If they did, they die. That's what the scriptures said. Um, but only the high priest, he represented all the people. And through him, their prayers were heard. So we pray in Jesus' name, and that's why I, I hate like interfaith services, because it's like, sorry, your prayers aren't getting heard if Jesus is not your high priest. You can't, you can't invade the holy place uh, with impunity. You can't assume that you're good enough to stand and to kneel before the throne of God. Only the high priest, not even all the Levites can do that. Not even all the priests can do that. The high priest can do that. And so we don't want to presume that God is like us or, or that, you know, we can just be cash with God. And so instead, we, we uh, recognize Jesus. And this why, is why we formally say or informally think as we pray that we're praying, we pray in Jesus' name. We're saying, and Father, I know, you know, 1 John 5, we know that God hears our prayers because we pray in Jesus' name, okay? Jesus says in John 15, whatever you ask in my name, you know, I'll do it. And so we pray in Jesus' name. That's acknowledgement that Jesus is our high priest. He's our interceder. He's our mediator because he is praying these prayers for us because he has brought these prayers to the throne of God at which he sits to, you know, the right hand of the Father's throne because he's bringing these, the Father hears. So we pray to the Father, and this is, you know, Lord's, the Lord's Prayer, our Father, and that's why we pray in our services here. We, you know, it's, it's okay if there's a, something that, that the Holy Spirit is particular with. Holy Spirit, would you regenerate this person? It's okay. Uh, Jesus, we are thankful to you that you're our king and our head and our conqueror. That's fine. But Jesus directs us in the Lord's Prayer to say, our Father who's in heaven. And, and but, but Jesus intercedes to us at the right, because he's at the right hand of his Father. He whispers in his ear, so to speak. He brings our prayers to the Father. So we pray to the Father. That's the primary um, you know, that's the 90% of our prayers. We're praying to the Father. Um, and we pray to the Father, knowing he hears our prayers because we're in Christ. Because we've believed in him. And we acknowledge that the reason we think God's hearing our prayers is because we're in Christ and Jesus is bringing these prayers. He's interceding for us.
Okay. So we pray in Jesus' name. It's through him, our high priest interceding for us at the throne of the Father in heaven. That's your blank. It's Jesus, our high priest interceding for us at the throne of the Father in heaven that our prayers are heard. So John 16, uh, 23 is one of those places of several that Jesus says, pray in my name. He says this to his disciples, pray in my name. Now B, so that's the first kind of intercession, uh, prayer. And so Jesus in your life, he's the reason you can pray and have confidence that your prayers are being heard and that God will act on your prayers. Maybe in exactly the way you want, maybe not. Maybe the thing you're praying for will ruin your life. And so he's going to withhold that from you because you don't know any better and he does. Uh, but, but he hears that prayer and, and he brings to you the best result in the best, in the best timing. So that's the first kind of intercession that Jesus is for us. Um, Jesus is this intercession. He's this incense, which this gift from the Magi represented. He's the incense. He's the, all, Jesus is all these things, you see. He's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. And he's our intercessor and mediator. Okay? He's the one through whom our prayers are, are heard. And by the way, he's our, he's our king as well. So that's all, this is all um, speaking, speaking of Jesus. But the intercession of Jesus represented in these three gifts of the Magi is in this, in this incense. This is telling us Jesus will be the one who mediates for his people. He will be the high priest who brings this kind of intercession. Our prayers will be heard because of this baby born in Bethlehem. Uh, now, the Magi, they didn't know the significance of these things. But God in his sovereignty uh, has them bring these gifts. And Matthew underlines it for people who knew what those things meant, the Jews. Um, now, B, B, the second type of priestly mediation and intercession, the second type of priestly mediation and intercession was that of the sacrificial system was that of the sacrificial system. That was the other thing the priests were doing. They were enacting this sacrificial system. And so Jim read for us from Leviticus 16. You're number one there on the Day of Atonement each year. That's Leviticus 16. Once a year, um, it's in September um, each year. It's, it's like Christmas. It's a different day of the week, you know, every year. Um, but uh, uh, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest and he alone would mediate and intercede for the people through a sin offering. Through a sin offering, he offered for them. Now, the one difference is you saw, you may have seen there that from what Jim read for us, that Aaron had to go in and first give a bull offering. Now, a bull was given as the sin offering for the high priest. But for the people, a goat was given. Okay, so what the high priest had to do in the Old Testament times is first he had to atone for his own sins with a bull as a sin offering. And then after he did that and he sprinkled the blood, you know, all, then he had to go out and he had to, to slaughter the, the goat for the sin offering for all the people. Now, now Jesus doesn't have to do both because he doesn't have sins for himself to atone for. Um, so, so Jesus just does, does this, this one sacrifice. But the second type of priestly mediation intercession was that of the sacrificial system. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest intercedes, mediates for the people through a sin offering he offered for them. Number two, the blood of the sacrifice. After he sacrificed this goat uh, for the people, the sin offering for the people, the blood of this sacrifice atoned or extinguished the wrath for sins. It atoned uh, for the people's sins, obtaining for them God's forgiveness. Obtaining for them God's forgiveness. Um, and so for Jesus, as the writer of Hebrews says, the blood of a bull or a goat, that's a reference to the Day of Atonement, for Jesus as high priest, the blood of a goat, bull or a goat could not obtain atonement would not be pleasing because he was given a body to offer his own body. Okay. But for old Testament people, this was pleasing and it, 
It got them, it obtained for them forgiveness. And so we have four to six places in the Old Testament that say to us that these sacrifices obtained for God's people forgiveness. So I gave you a couple of, a couple of uh, passages here, Leviticus 4.20. Um, do with this bull just as he did with the bull um, for the sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them and they will be forgiven. Okay, this is God telling his people in the Old Testament, you make this this uh, offering, this sin offering, and you will be forgiven. Or um, you saw it in our, um, if you look on your front page here, under the Declaration of the Gospel. Look there, Numbers 15.25. Numbers 15.25. The priest is to make atonement for the whole Israelite community, and they will be forgiven. Okay. So this is this, this is the second kind of priestly mediation and intercession. Um, now, the writer of Hebrews connects us very well to Jesus. Hebrews 2.17 says this, For this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Okay, so Jesus takes over this role of being high priest who makes atonement for the sins of the people. So number three, to relate this more to Jesus here, to Jesus' intercession. Um, number three, Jesus, that's your word there, Jesus' day of atonement was the day of his cross and ascension. Now these happened 43 days apart, uh, but but this was the day. This was what, what was um, uh, symbolized in the Day of Atonement. Jesus' Day of Atonement was his cross, the day of his cross and ascension. So we'll divide these out. Now, A, A. At the cross, he was our high priest making a sin offering for us, his people, but he served as sacrifice as well. So that's the difference. The, the high priest in the Old Testament offered a goat as the sacrifice, but the writer of Hebrews tells us, you know, the father said to Jesus, but I won't be pleased if you offer a goat, Jesus. I gave you a body to offer. And so Jesus responds, this is Hebrews 8, here I am, Lord. Um, and so Jesus as high priest, this is what the cross is. The cross is Jesus as high priest offering a sin offering for the people. And the sin offering was his body. So Jesus is high priest and sacrifice, high priest and sin offering all at once there upon the cross. Jesus is doing high priestly mediation for the people, whomever would take him as their high priest. Ephesians 5, 2 uh, talks about Jesus sacrificed himself for us. So just as the Old Testament high priest uh, offered a sacrifice on the bronze altar outside and in front of the temple. Okay, think of that. Back to our... Allison, can you go back one slide just to make that... So, you know, that this bronze altar here that's outside the temple. Okay. Um, now, what's the temple Jesus served in? We'll test for you. Nope. The heavenly temple. Did Jesus make the sacrifice inside the temple? The heavenly temple. No. He makes the sacrifice outside the heavenly temple. Just like the high priest in his day. It made the sacrifice outside the earthly temple there. But then, uh, moving uh, moving forward, he um, uh, be there after he makes this sacrifice outside the heavenly temple. That is on earth. He makes the sacrifice. B, then he entered, not the earthly temple with his own blood. So he didn't go from here into here. He went from the cross outside the heavenly temple, and he went into the heavenly temple with his own blood. Okay, to sprinkle that uh, before the throne of God. So he entered, not the earthly temple, in the most holy place with the blood of a bull or a goat, but he entered the heavenly temple with his own, that's your blank, with his own blood for our atonement and forgiveness. So Hebrews 2.17 says this, 
For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And Hebrews 9.22, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no there is no forgiveness. What the high priest did on the Day of Atonement, as we read in Leviticus 16, was once he made this sacrifice of this goat, he took some of the blood. And he walked from the bronze altar. He walked through the holy place, past the, the, the lampstand on his left, past the table on his right. And then he passed the altar of incense. And he opened that curtain and went into the throne room of God, the Holy of Holies, where God was enthroned above the cherubim, and he was required to sprinkle the blood of the sin offering there. And that's when God says, and I will forgive the people. And so on Jesus' day of atonement, he makes the, the bronze altar sacrifice at the cross on uh, Good Friday. But then after he's resurrected three days later, he spends 40 days on the earth instructing his disciples, we see in Acts chapter 1, and then he ascends up to heaven. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that he doesn't ascend with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, he enters the heavenly temple and completes his work as high priest, not once a year, but one time for all, the Day of Atonement. All that the Day of Atonement symbolized once a year for God's people that they needed a high priest to offer a sin offering so that they could be forgiven is met in Jesus. When he ascends into heaven, Revelation 5, and enters in as a lamb slaughtered. And he sprinkles his own blood for our, for our sins. So gold and frankincense and myrrh Gold, the, the stuff of the temple. Incense, the stuff of, of uh, intercession. Uh, myrrh, as Jesus was anointed to have this role of, of high priest. This is what gets symbolized for us uh, when the wise men come and, and honor Jesus with these gifts. These were more than just gifts that, were, that cost a lot of money, and they did. Uh, they were precious gifts. But they were gifts that symbolized who he was the great high priest, and what he would do, make final, complete atonement and earn the forgiveness of sins for all the people. So your summary, your summary. The gifts given to Jesus, the gifts given to Jesus, gold, incense, and myrrh, show us that from birth, Jesus came to serve as temple, and high priest for his people to atone for and obtain forgiveness, to atone for and obtain forgiveness for their sins. So guess what's your blank there? So it's smart to believe in him. Let's pray.